Greetings, coastal wildlife lovers. This is Jenna Reynolds, director of Save Coastal Wildlife Nonprofit and host of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. I hope you're doing well and you're outside enjoying the seasons. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to listen to the podcast. This episode is all about marine mammals, but not just any marine mammals. Let's chat about harbor porpoises. Welcome to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Here's a question for you. What's the difference between porpoises and dolphins? What's the difference between porpoises and dolphins? Is there a difference? I mean, there are some people who use the words porpoise and dolphins like they're talking about the same thing. Maybe your parents or grandparents or somebody you know of a certain age is talking about porpoises when they really mean about dolphins or dolphins when they really mean about porpoises. I think a long time ago, people really did call dolphins as porpoises and porpoises as dolphins. There wasn't much information about cetaceans, let's say in the 1950s. And I think any small toothed whale was either a dolphin or a porpoise before people started to really study and discover that dolphins and porpoises are really quite different. Now, what's that you say? What's the difference between dolphins and porpoises? Well, my friends, the differences are fairly easy if you know what to look for. But first, let's just say that both dolphins and porpoises are cetaceans. It's an order of marine mammals that also includes whales. Both porpoises and dolphins are further classified as tooth whales, which means they all have teeth inside their jaws. And there are at least 60 species of tooth whales in the world that differ widely in size, body, and behavior. From giants like sperm whales, to the secretive beak whales of the deep ocean, to chatty belugas and fanciful narwhals, and great predators like orcas, and to our little harbor porpoises. All of these marine mammals are tooth whales. They share a common family and are really highly intelligent and social animals that differ greatly from baleen whales in how they obtain their food. Because unlike baleen whales, which take big gulps of water and use their tongue to move water through baleen to catch plankton and small fish, tooth whales have a series of sharp teeth to grip slippery fish, squid, or other invertebrates like crabs and clams. And the animals can use also echolocation which uses sound to sense what is around them to hunt for prey and find family members or friends in dark, dingy waters. So this is what dolphins and porpoises have in common and why dolphins and porpoises are smart and clever in how they sometimes catch their food. Dolphins are typically more curious around humans than porpoises are. In fact, porpoises tend to be really shy towards people. And I think this is why many people have never seen a harbor porpoise along the Jersey Shore, even though they are quite common animals. It could also be that people sometimes confuse or misidentify porpoises for dolphins. I mean, to really tell these two cetaceans apart, you got to look at the head, and sometimes that's not always easy. Dolphins typically have a sleek, bulbous head, and often a clearly defined beak, or a long nose and mouth that sticks out from their face, right? You've seen this. If you think about a bottlenose dolphin in your mind, right? You see that head and the long beak of sharp teeth in their mouth, 
right? That is a bottlenose dolphin, and, and all dolphins have that, that, that clearly defined beak from their face. Porpoises, on the other hand, don't have that. They usually have a rounder face or a melon-like head, like a giant watermelon without that pronounced beak. Also, if you could take a look at the top fin, dolphins have a curved dorsal fin, where porpoises have dorsal fins that are more triangular in shape. And this is probably one of the quickest ways to tell them apart if you can't see the head, especially if you spot one jumping out of the water and you can't get a look at the whole animal. Look for the top fin, look for that dorsal fin. Also, if you get a chance to see more of the animals, you could tell them apart by their, uh, by their size and shape. Dolphins tend to have a sleeker or more streamlined body shape than a porpoise. Dolphins are also longer and bigger, averaging about six to 12 feet in length, where porpoises only reach a maximum of seven feet in length. And in fact, harbor porpoises only reach a maximum of about 5.5 feet and weigh around 135 to 170 pounds. Female harbor porpoises tend to be larger than males, and it's one way you could tell the sexes apart. But compare this to a common bottlenose dolphin, which is see along the Jersey Shore. Um, it's one of the most abundant dolphins to be found here along the Jersey Shore. And they're much, much larger. It can be 6 to 13 feet in length and weigh 300 to 1,400 pounds. They're big. They're heavy. So they're certainly big boys compared to petite little harbor porpoises. So now that you know some of the everyday differences between harbor porpoises and dolphins, here's another question for you. How many of you have ever seen harbor porpoises along the Jersey Shore? Have you ever seen a harbor porpoise along the Jersey Shore? Have you been to the beach and say, wow, there's a harbor porpoise? <laughs> Probably not many of you. Harbor porpoises are small and shy, which makes them difficult to spot or see, even if they're nearby. This is why in some parts of the world, like the Gulf of California, or also known as the Sea of Cortez, there are people who don't believe in porpoises. <laughs> they don't believe that the little vaqueta porpoise exists because they've never seen it. So they have no desire to save it or protect it in any way, even though there's only about a dozen of these porpoises left in the entire world. And it's one of the most endangered marine mammals in the world. But this is often the problem with trying to save wildlife, especially coastal wildlife. If people don't see or hear these animals, they don't believe that they're real. They don't believe that they exist. And they have no desire to do anything to protect animals and their habitat. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and say there are only seven species of porpoises in the entire world. Most can be found in the Pacific Ocean or related waters like the Dolls porpoise, the Indo-Pacific finless porpoise, the narrow-ridged finless porpoise, and the critically endangered vaquita. Then there are some porpoises we really don't know that much about, like the speckled porpoise that can be seen occasionally in the tip of South America, and the Brumeister's porpoise, I'm probably mispronouncing that name, Brumeister's porpoise, which can be found off of eastern and western South America. Both of, both of these species of porpoises are poorly understood, and the population is just unknown. We really don't know really anything about these porpoises. Which brings us to the harbor porpoise, sometimes also called the common porpoise. And this is probably one of the most well-known species of porpoise in the world. These porpoises are fairly widely distributed and live in the cold waters in the North Pacific and the North Atlantic Oceans, and also in the Black Sea. Harbor porpoises are generally found in small groups in both estuarian and offshore ocean waters. 
And yet that's probably really all we know for sure about the life history of arbor porpoises. Because these animals are so shy, so secretive, so small, we really don't know much about porpoises, including their population. Harbor porpoises are not listed under the Federal Endangered Species Act, but New York State does consider them a species of special concern. In New Jersey, they're not listed at all, which is kind of shocking to me that New Jersey does not even consider the species important enough to list, as it does for most other marine mammals, including the humpback whale, which populations rebounded quickly from decades of being underpopulated along the East Coast. Now, the worldwide population of harbor porpoises is commonly stated to be around 700,000. But how can anyone really truly estimate the number of harbor porpoises is really difficult at best because they're so shy and small and secretive. The harbor porpoise was most recently assessed for the International Union of Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources, also known as the IUCN and the Red List of Threatened Species in 2020. And they listed the harbor porpoise as least concerned, but without giving any population numbers. So how can you determine if an animal is threatened or endangered if you really don't have a decent idea of how many of the animals exist out in the wild? And this is the problem with porpoises in general. All seven species of porpoises are doing poorly, or we really don't know enough to truly determine if the population is doing good or bad. Now, we're going to get more into the plight of porpoises on a global level in another podcast because there's so much to talk about. Uh, But for now, I just really wanted to focus uh, with our local harbor porpoise population along the Jersey Shore here in, in New York Harbor. And there was a fascinating article, I thought, written in July 26, 2023. Or at least that's when it was posted in the New York Times. It was an article written by James Barron, B-A-R-R-O-N. And the article is entitled, The Harbor Porpoises Are Here, Putting Up With Noise, with the subheading, Like Seasoned New Yorkers, the porpoises have adapted the sounds troubling their universe. The article states that harbor porpoises are no longer just seasonal winter visitors to the New York and New Jersey area, but are now year-round residents, probably due to the abundance of food resources, including Menhaden, Atlantic silversides, and other small bait fish. How do we know this? Well, scientists from the Wildlife Conservation Society have been planning listening devices around New York Harbor that recorded the sounds of harbor porpoises while swimming around looking for fish to eat or just communicating with each other. The data from the devices established that small number of harbor porpoises are around when most have gone elsewhere, and that the number of harbor porpoises peak from February to June. In the winter, the greatest concentration of harbor porpoises can be found from New Jersey down south in North Carolina. But there are still a number of harbor porpoises to be found in the summer and fall around New York and New Jersey. And probably one reason for the decreased number of harbor porpoises during the summer and fall is due to the increased amount of noise from ships and boats. A February 14, 2018 research article entitled High Rates of Vessel Noise Disrupt Foraging and Wild Harbor Porpoises That article found that increased levels of underwater noise off the coast of England can drive harbor porpoises away or at least reduce the time they spend foraging for food, which could affect the size of the population. Let's face it, shipping, noise from boats, it's the leading marine human-induced noise source in the world's oceans. There is nothing, nothing at all that compares to the scale, sound, and distribution of these large cargo ships that are traveling all around the world's ocean. And they do so much damage to marine mammals, from striking and hitting them, 
um, and, and just the noise level from these ships is just doing great damage to marine mammals around the world. Research on tagged porpoises around the busy and bustling waters of England found that harbor porpoises encountered vessel noise 17 to 89% of the time. I mean, that's virtually, you know, all the time. And occasionally these high level noise, uh, these high noise levels coincide with vigorous bottom diving as they're trying to get away from these noises. Some cases the noises were so bad it interrupted foraging and even the end of echolocation so they couldn't communicate with each other. And this led to a significantly decrease in foraging behavior. Essentially the poor little animals were just trying to get away from all this noise from the ships. I should say that harbor porpoises have a high um, uh, energy requirements, which means they need to eat a lot. In fact, harbor porpoises can only go about 12 hours without taking on food, which is incredible. If high exposure to ship noises occurs frequently, porpoises may be unable to compensate with negative long-term fitness consequences, which means they could get sick, weak, and die if they don't eat every 12 hours, at least every 12 hours. Research from the Wildlife Conservation Society around New York Harbor confirmed that harbor porpoises really don't like ship noise, just like scientists found in the coastal waters around England. Two recorders in New York Harbor that picked up the most harbor porpoises' activity were away from major shipping lanes to the entrance to New York Harbor. The battery-powered listening devices spent two years in relatively shallow water from about 23 feet to over 39 feet, and they found that while harbor porpoises might be getting used to boy, uh, boat noise, um, it, it, it didn't mean they still liked the noise. In fact, they still wanted to try to get away from all that boat, uh, boat noise. And I could certainly relate to that. Maybe I take after harbor porpoises. I might be getting used to the noises and the busy and bustling uh, noises around uh, New York City, but that doesn't mean I like them. And I've been talking a lot, which I guess is supposed to be expected in a podcast, but what I'd like to do now is to play some sounds for you. Last summer of 2023, interns with Save Coastal Wildlife and myself were conducting a lot of plankton studies to find out the connection between plankton and certain bait fish like menhaden and Atlantic silversides. And no doubt the more plankton in the waters, especially copepods, the more bait fish there's going to be. But what I always find interesting is to conduct simple experiments like these because you just really never know what you're going to find. And this was the case during a few evenings in late July and early August. We were sailing around Sandy Hook Bay to determine the amount of bait fish in the water, which, by the way, was filled with juvenile menhaden. And then we started to see small, slender animals quickly surface from the water about 20, 30 feet away from us. There was no splash or large or noisy blows like, an, uh, like from a whale or a dolphin, just a quiet and gentle animal that was surfacing through the water. And then from the small bodies and blunt-tipped dorsal fin, we were able to identify the animals to be a small school of harbor porpoises, probably around two to four porpoises, perhaps. Luckily for us, we had a hydrophone and a recorder. So I want to give a shout out to all the people that have donated money to Save Coastal Wildlife over the years. Thank you for your donations, for letting us uh, be able to purchase this equipment. It really helps us out greatly with our scientific experiments, especially in this case when we had that hydrophone and a recorder. We were able to quickly put that hydrophone in the water, and this is what we heard.
Now, as you listen, just keep in mind that the sounds we were recording was some distance away from the hydrophone, probably at least 30 yards away, because we put the hydrophone in the water from a fishing pier that was just a little bit further away from that feeding activity. And that's probably why the sounds that you hear, especially that sort of clicking sound, um, is a little really in the distance. But the disbeliever in you, as you hear that, you might say, wait a minute, Jenna, how do you know that sound is not a ship? At least that's what I thought too at first. Uh, but this is what the sound of a motorboat in Sand Hook Bay typically sounds like. So there is no way that you can confuse a boat with natural sounds of a whale or a dolphin or a porpoise. I mean, they're just two different sounds, totally different sounds of ship noise and the natural sounds of whales, dolphins, seals, porpoises, marine mammals. It's just totally, totally different. Uh, but just for fun we thought we'd play the sound of a minke whale. And in actuality, as we were listening to the sounds of minke whales, we thought, well, you know, the sounds do, they're, they're similar. They're similar sounds and so to a harbor porpoise. And so they're, they're, they're similar, and I thought I would play them to see what you thought, the sounds of a minke whale versus the sounds of a harbor porpoise. So here is the sounds of a minke whale. Somewhat similar, right? And then just for fun, here's the sound of a bottlenose dolphin. It all gets confusing, right? But, you know, in actuality, there's no other species of porpoise in the North Atlantic and which we can confuse other porpoises with, with our harbor porpoise and, and other cetacean species in the Atlantic, including minke whales and even bottlenose dolphins are much larger animals. And the shallow water, which we saw, our animals that we think were harbor porpoises were less than 10 feet deep. There's no way that that shallow water is going to be able to support a minke whale or perhaps a pod of bottlenose dolphins. So for another reference, we're playing around with sounds. And here's the sound of a harbor porpoise being tagged in the coastal waters off of New England. So that sounds similar to the harbor porpoises or the sounds we were picking up in Sand Hook Bay. And by the way, I just want to shout out to Discovery of Sound in the Sea website. It is just a great wealth of information and knowledge about sounds, natural sounds, and even some artificial sounds that you hear in the oceans around the world. So if you're interested in hearing more sounds about marine mammals or fish or whatever, check out the website Discovery of Sound in the Sea. It is a well worth your time.
So the sounds that we've heard tonight uh, from tagged uh, harbor porpoises, minke whales, and dolphins are all intriguing. But one more time, I just want to play the sound of our harbor porpoises, or what we think were harbor porpoises, in Sandhook Bay. So now that you hear all the sounds, let's hear our harbor porpoises one more time in Sandhook Bay. Even though the sounds are in the distance, there's really not much doubt in my mind that what we saw and heard were some harbor porpoises feeding on a school of menhaden in Sandhook Bay. And so they do exist along the Jersey Shore, and we're pretty sure that's what we picked up. As I mentioned before, harbor porpoises have a high energy rate, so they need to eat often and rely on prey with a high fat content like herring and menhaden. And there was certainly lots of menhaden uh, that particular night around Sandhook Bay. And so this is why we say that the more we study and survey the coastal waters of New Jersey, the more evidence of a wide abundance of biodiversity we find. When I was a little girl, there was really hardly any harbor porpoises to be found along the Jersey Shore, especially during the summer. And yet, here they are in the summer of 2023, swimming around Sandhook Bay and feeding on fish. One final note to mention, I should point out that we only really don't have, uh, or we, we just have such a poor understanding about the population of porpoises around the world, including harbor porpoises. Little is known also of their reproductive biology. Scientists think, but are not certain, that most mating for harbor porpoises occurs in the summer and most births occur between May and July. So I bring that up because maybe, perhaps, we heard a mother and a calf swimming and feeding in San Diego Bay. It's possible. I thought I might have seen a smaller porpoise in in size swimming next to a larger porpoise, but it was so difficult to tell. They were in the distance, and so there's just no way to know for certain. Certainly, though, more research needs to be done to see if Sandy Hook Bay is an important breeding area for harbor porpoises. And this is why we're going to be out there next summer. Myself, along with interns with Save Close to Wildlife, we'll be out there to see what we could find along Sandy Hook Bay and the Jersey Shore. Because, as you know, the only way to know what exists outside is to be outside. So until next time, my friends, this is Jenna Reynolds, director of Save Coastal Wildlife Nonprofit and host of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast, wishing you great health and happiness. And don't forget to please show some kindness and respect to all species, not just humans. Be well, my friends. You have been listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities, including monitoring horseshoe crabs and seals, to beach cleanups and monitoring the beach for microplastics can be found at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please share the podcast on social media and tell your family and friends about it. If you would like to support Save Coastal Wildlife, please go to our website and click on the donate button at savecoastalwildlife.org. Thank you for your support. We depend on the kindness and generosity of people for everything we do. Join us next time for another episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds.
the water's clean, it's up to you and me. Left on the shore, the birds and the fish won't come anymore. Protect and preserve the wild.